Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Monday broadcast. And as I record this broadcast, we are just coming out of Mother's Day. And what a wonderful day we had yesterday as we celebrated moms. You know, the word mother or mom is found 320 times in the New International Version of the Bible. And so I think the Bible has a lot to say about mothering. And so I told the congregation yesterday, I said, I've got some really good news for you. And here's the good news. There will be no dad jokes on Mother's Day. And then I paused, but I said, you know, there will be some mom jokes today uh, because we are honoring moms. And so somebody said this, motherhood is like a fairy tale, but in reverse. You start out in a beautiful ball gown and you end up in stained rags cleaning up after the little people. <laughs> There's a code word that moms use when they don't want to share uh, some of the food they are, are eating. They say, well, it's too spicy. <laughs> That's the universal code for mom saying, I don't want to share with you. Uh, somebody said that good moms let their kids lick the beaters. And I remember doing this as a kid. You know, mom's making a cake and uh, she would take the beaters uh, after she mixed up the uh, uh, the batter and, uh, you, you know, you lick off the beaters. And that was a lot of fun. But somebody else said, well, great moms, they turn the beaters off first before they give them to the kids. I thought that was pretty cute. And somebody said, having a weird mom builds character. And one mom says, well, being a mother of a teenager is finally understanding why some animals eat their young. My wife said this of our kids one day. She says, you know, I don't have any favorites. She says, all of you children annoy me equally. <laughs> so what do you think about motherhood? It's a job that requires no experience, gives no training, pays nothing, and you can't quit. That's motherhood. Oh, and people's lives are on the line. Uh, you know, when you think about motherhood, we are so blessed to have godly moms. Uh, one day, uh, a mom was asked by her daughter, Mom, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? Uh, well, I don't know, said the mother. You have to ask Grandma on that question. Well, I want you to know, I am so thankful for the godly mom that God has given me. You know, this whole celebration of Mother's Day uh, is an annual event, and when we celebrate what moms have done for us, it's always the second Sunday of May. And we celebrate them, but I realize that also this is a day, uh, not only of celebration, but also a day of sorrow. And I think about all the holidays that we observe uh, in the church throughout the year, Mother's Day has probably changed the most. Uh, it used to be that Mother's Day was a really packed service, and moms had one request, and they would say to their kids, Listen, would you just go to church with me on Mother's Day? And, uh, and, and I see that there's a transition in that. And in fact, we used to do Mother's Day much different at our church, and we used to recognize, you know, the mom with the uh, most children, the, the, the mom with the youngest child, the youngest mom, uh, the mom uh, with the most grandchildren, the oldest mom, and all these other things. And, and uh, we kind of stopped doing that because it kind of got uh, hard for some people. And I remember one year, we had a mom who was just 13 years old uh, stand to her feet as the youngest mom. And so we honored her for bringing life into the world. But obviously, uh, there's a problem if you're having a child when you're only 13 
years old. And then and it became very confusing because so many families today are blended families. And I had one lady uh, stand up one year and she said she had 24 children. And uh, and she was counting all of her stepchildren and the fact that she had been married numerous times and an inherited children. And, and, uh, and so it got really confusing to recognize uh, the special moms in, in the church. And so uh, when I think about celebrating Mother's Day, I know it's also a day of great sorrow. I remember a couple of years ago at the conclusion of our Mother's Day service, I had a, a, a woman come up to me and, and she was just crying. And I, I thought, well, you know, I must have said something that offended her. Maybe I said something inappropriate in the service and I, I couldn't remember anything that I said that could possibly have offended her. I, I tried to keep it really upbeat. And, and uh, you know, once a year on Mother's Day, I try to really honor our moms and, and honor the women who even cannot have children or choose not to have children. And and uh, and so I asked her, I said, well, have I done anything or I said anything to offend you? And she says, oh, no, no. She says, you know, every Mother's Day, uh, it is a reminder uh, that I made a choice many years ago to terminate my pregnancy. And she says, every Mother's Day, it is a reminder that I and one child less than I should have because I terminated this pregnancy. And she's just heartbroken. And so I realized that Mother's Day is a time of celebration and is a time of sorrow. So what I'm going to do today in, in the broadcast, and we'll go into tomorrow's broadcast, is I want to talk about how can we pray for our moms? Uh, and how can we pray kind of in a general capacity? The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 6, verses 18 through 19, David is writing, and he said, if I cherish sin, or if I had not confessed sin in my heart, uh, the Lord would not have listened. Uh, but then verse 19, he says, but God did listen, and he had paid attention to my prayers. And so some translations say in that verse, if I regard iniquity in my heart, literally is if I have iniquity that is in my heart, and I'm indulging in the purpose of iniquity, you know, if I have this wicked end in view, I'm not going to be able to get my prayers answered. If I'm not willing to forsake sin as I pray, if I cherish the purpose of pollution of the wrong, uh, then I'm not going to be able to see my prayers answered. Uh, the meaning is literally, if I have seen any iniquity in my heart or I'm aware of any iniquity in my heart, I, I've got to deal with it. I can't cherish that in my soul because if I do, my prayers will not be answered. And I think we've all kind of experienced this where it feels like our prayer is bouncing off the ceiling and, and coming right back down. And so when we think about how to get our prayers answered, before I give you the ways to pray for your mom, or, or all women for that matter, I want to remind you of something that you probably already know. You will get your prayers answered when you confess your sins. Now, I don't usually have dreams at night, but... Um, you know, and I was putting this message together, I, I was gathering my thoughts together, and I, late Saturday night, I went to bed, and I, and I woke up in the middle of the night, I had a dream. Now, it was a very strange dream, and, uh, and, and you can discount this if you want to, because it's not a thus say the Lord. I'm, I'm always one of these guys that uh, I believe that God can speak through us through dreams and through visions, but I'm all, also very reluctant to trust the validity of a dream. But this strange dream kind of helped me to put things together for this message. And so the dream goes like this. As I'm sleeping, having this dream, a friend of mine asked me to, to preach for him one Sunday. And I was really not wanting to do it. And, and I, I love speaking at my own church. And, and I very rarely speak at other churches. And I very rarely actually get asked to speak at other churches. And, uh, but this friend, a pastor of the church, and 
didn't have anybody to cover him, and he wanted to take a Sunday off for a vacation. And so I agreed. I said, okay, well, I'll come. And uh, although I know this friend very well, I didn't know too much about this church. Uh, we went to school together, uh, but I didn't know a whole lot about his church. And so he told me, now, I, I want you to know that when you come, my congregation is not very receptive. Uh, they're not going to receive the message well. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, and he says, every Sunday, they totally ignore me. And so I went, and not knowing what I was facing, and it wasn't a large congregation, but I remember giving the message, and everybody kept talking right in the middle of the message. Nobody stopped, and sometimes that happens when you first get up, right? But usually people settle down, and they start listening, but I could not get them to stop talking. And so I said, well, I'm going to overpower them is what I'm going to do. And so I I started shouting louder and louder, uh, but the message was totally ignored. And so I was uh, shouting louder and louder, and my voice is going hoarse. And then finally somebody said in the congregation, they said, just 10 more minutes, and we'll be out of here. And everybody laughed. And, and I was so discouraged. I was so dejected. And so I just sat at the edge of the stage, and just sat there quiet. And with my very hoarse voice, I said, you know, today, you missed the message. And strangely, everything got silent. So I continued. I says, today, you totally missed the message because the message wasn't for you. The message is about you. And then I told the story of Noah building the ark and and warning the people of the coming flood and, and, and how for decades he begged them to repent. And for decades, they mocked him until the flood came. And then I woke up and I noticed that the time on the clock was 432, 4.32 a.m. Now, I don't know how anybody responded to the message because I woke up, but I got thinking about that. So many times we listen to a message and we think, well, yeah, I don't know if that message was for me. Have you ever thought that maybe the message that God has for you today is not for you, but it's about you? You know, for the last couple of years, Mother's Day has been forced to be inside And we haven't had the traditional Mother's Day services because of the pandemic. As a matter of fact, last Mother's Day, I was home with COVID and and our family life pastor, uh, uh, he was sick with COVID. And so one of our elders gave the message last Mother's Day. But as a result of not having a traditional Mother's Day for the last couple of years, they made a calculation on how much spending was to be expected on moms in the year 2022. And this is what they expect will happen. $31.7 billion is expected to be spent on Mother's Day this year. Now, as you think about it, that's the cost of flowers and cars and gifts and taking mom out to dinner and giving her uh, whatever she wants on Mother's Day. And so they said the average consumer this year will spend 25% more compared to the pre-pandemic level in 2019. Approximately 84% of adults are expected to celebrate the Mother's Day holiday. Now, we should do everything we can to honor mom and encourage our moms. But uh, as we think about our lifetime as Americans, and we think about mothers, and we think about parental and and biblical motherhood, as we were celebrating Mother's Day this year, uh, there was actually a Mother's Day strike. It was a strike to support abortion. And earlier this week, as you know, 
Uh, the Supreme Court had a leak, and, and the information shocked the nation that the reverberations are continuing today. We're not even sure exactly how it's going to play out, but one of the most ironic and contradictory announcements that I can ever remember is that many pro-abortion activists are calling for this Mother's Day strike. And lo and behold, in, in several churches on Mother's Day, uh, one up in Manhattan, I went over on the West Coast, they staged a protest And the protest was to basically have a Mother's Day strike, and they wanted this protest to take place to show they don't approve of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. As you think about this, I never thought that we'd get to the place in America where we would celebrate the killing of a baby. Ronald Reagan said this. He said, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. You know, I think about the verse in the passage we're going to look at today. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 31. It's been a few years since I preached this text, and uh, I guess I've I've preached 25, 26 Mother's Day messages, and uh, back in 2014 is the last time I preached Proverbs 31 for a Mother's Day message, and it begins talking about what a noble wife is. Verse number one says, if you can find a truly good wife She is worth more than precious gems or more than rubies. When we confess our sins and our desires, we know that God will answer our prayers. Maybe today, as you are honoring your mom and thinking about the influence that she has had on your life, I wanted you to go back many years. Before I was married, even before I met my wife, I had this this crush on a young lady. And as I look back, it was really an infatuation. I mean, in my opinion, when I was 15, maybe 16 years old, uh, this girl was the most beautiful person in the world. We were in high school together. She was smart. She was popular. She was a cheerleader. And uh, oh, did I say she was beautiful? And, uh, and, And I was really attracted to her. As a matter of fact, I would rearrange my class schedule so that I could be in the same classes that she was in. Now, there's a little problem there is that she was uh, an honor student, and I was far from an honor student. But I remember praying that the Lord would allow me to date this girl. In my mind, I was already dating her. I did everything I could to make it easy for God to answer this prayer, and I would always find a way to not only be in the same classes with her, but I'd find a way to sit near her at lunch, and I would discreetly come up with reasons to talk with her. Yeah, I'd volunteer to work on school projects with her, and I I would go to sporting events so that I could see her, uh, but it never seemed to work out for us to be in a relationship. God never answered that prayer for me. Um, God knew better, obviously. A few years ago, I I looked up this girl on social media, and I discovered that, um, well, shall we say she hasn't aged that well, right? And I discovered that she is really not all that beautiful. When I look at the book of Proverbs and I think about this whole subject of praying for a godly mom, praying for the godly women in your life, the book of Proverbs really is a a book of probability, not a not a book of promises, okay? So for example, the, the book of Proverbs talks about, you know, the lazy person uh, going without food. We know many lazy people who who are well-fed. So that's not a a promise. It's a probability that if you don't work diligently, you know, the Bible's very clear. If you don't 
work, you shouldn't eat. But sometimes people who never work and never want to work and are extremely lazy still eat very well. So Proverbs is a book of probability. So I want to kind of remind you of that as we read Proverbs 31. And it begins by saying this. This is Solomon passing this information on to future generations and more specifically passing it on to his son. And he says, if you can find a truly good wife, she is worth more than precious gems. Her husband can trust her and she will richly satisfy his needs. She will not hinder him, but will help him all of her life. She finds wool and she finds flax and she busily spins it. She buys imported foods brought by a ship from distant ports. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household, and she plans the day's work for her servants' girls. She goes out to inspect the field, and then she buys it. And with her hands, she plants a vineyard. Now, verse 17, Proverbs 31 says, uh, She's energetic, she's hardworking, and she watches out for bargains. She works far into the night. She sows for the poor and generously helps those in need. She has absolutely no fear of winter for her household, for she has made warm clothes for all of them. She also upholsters and she does fine tapestry. Her own clothing is beautifully made, a pure gown of pure linen. Her husband is well known, for he sits in the council chambers with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments to sell to the merchants. She is a woman of strength, a woman of dignity, and has no fear of old age. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule for everything she says. She watches carefully all that goes on throughout her household, and she's never lazy. Her children stand and bless her. So does her husband. He praises her with these words. There are many fine women in the world, but you are the best of them all. Charm can be deceitful and beauty doesn't last, but a woman who fears and reverences God shall be greatly praised. And then Solomon finishes up with verse 31. Praise her for the many things she does. These good deeds of hers shall bring her honor and recognition from people of importance. Oh, what great words Solomon is speaking about his wife. You know, a lot has changed over the years in regards to marriage, in regards to parenting. And I found the Pew Research did a survey, and and they found back in 1990, and I know that was 30-some years ago, that 65% of those who were surveyed believed that children were very vital for a good, strong, healthy marriage. They realized that part of getting married involved children. Uh, Almost 7 out of 10 People who got married believe that children should be a vital part of that marriage union. Today, that number has dropped down to below 40%. Today, only four out of 10 American adults, when they get married, feel like children are very important for the marriage. When we think about the change that society has had over the understanding of the blessing of children, the Bible is very clear. Uh, that children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a a heritage from the Lord. And Solomon uses the illustration of an archer who has his quiver full of arrows, and he likens children as arrows, and he says, Blessed is a man whose quiver is full, because children bring a blessing and a protection to the home. Uh, Maybe today 
as we look at this prayer to honor our moms, we look at three things, right? We look at the fact that as we pray, we should be praying that mom and the women in our lives will see their self-worth. I realize that they are fearfully and wonderfully maimed. Their worth is not in their uh, only their ability to produce. Their worth is found in their character. Secondly, we're going to pray that the women in our lives will be able to laugh at the days to come. Now, I'm not talking about we pray that they don't take life seriously, but we pray that because of their forethought, because of their planning, because of their, uh, their, their, their ability to see what's going to happen in the future, they are prepared for the future and they're able to laugh at the days to come. They set things aside, they budget things, and they are prepared for the future, whether it be the future weather, whether it be the future of getting older. Uh, they can laugh at the days to come because they have planned their lives well. And then lastly, that they would receive the honor deserved. Now, Abraham Lincoln said this, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. I love the Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of a mother is worth a ton of a priest. George Washington said, all that I have and all that I owe, I owe to my mother. He realized that everything he had was given to him by his mother. Jill Churchill said, there's no way to be a perfect mother, but there's a million ways to be a good one. And lastly, Princess Diana said, a mother's arms are more comforting than anyone else. So we today want to pray for the women in our lives. So I'll give you the first point, and then we'll get the, the second two points tomorrow. But number one, we should pray that our, our moms will have a sense of self-worth, that the women in our lives will have a sense of of self-worth. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Now, I know Solomon wrote this. Uh, maybe he had in the back of his mind as he, as he looks at this wife of noble character and her ability to care for her family, that her self-worth is based on her character. In Psalm 139, it says, that God had formed my inward parts and he knitted me together in my mother's womb. And he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. When I think about the self-worth of women, it's not just their ability to produce. I was reading the story of a PhD young doctor and she had just finished getting her doctorate's degree. And she was working in a New York hospital, and, and she was friends with a doctor who was a few years ahead of her who was pregnant with her second child. The older doctor said to the friend one day, do you know what I love most about being pregnant? It's the only time where I feel productive all the time. Even when I'm sleeping, I'm doing something. It struck the young MD that her friend based her self-regard so completely on productivity that she seemed revealed, uh, relieved rather, to finally find a task that she could do incessantly. She reflected, you know, for many of us, being productive in doing becomes an attempt at redemption. That is, through our work, we try to, to build our worth, our security, our meaning. You see, many people are trying to get a sense of self-worth through productivity and success, but then that burns them out. When I think about 
my mom and my wife and my daughter. Those are the three most important women in my life. I love them dearly because of their character. You know, character is what you are, not what you do. One of Solomon's Proverbs goes like this, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a wife who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. At the key point of the life of uh, the story of Ruth, Boaz says to her, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. He has already explained a little earlier in the story why she has this reputation. So join me tomorrow as we continue on this theme of how to pray for the women in our lives. We begin by acknowledging the fact that God has given us these women in our lives, and we pray they have a wonderful sense of self-worth. They are noble in their character. And maybe you're listening to me today, and, and you have somebody in your life that you love that may not have this noble character. Well, you can still pray for them. You can still honor them. The Bible says to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land that God has given to you. So today, pray for the women in your life, that they will have a sense of self-worth. Thank you so much for joining us today. If I can help you with anything, feel free to give me a call at 757-421-7500. If I can pray for you, Every Thursday morning, our team prays on a conference call. I'd love to pray for you. If I can help you in any way, give me a call at 757-421-7500. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett thanking you for joining the broadcast today. Now be safe as you drive. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.